coming to you live from the island of Tafiti. It's the Movie Change Up podcast. As always, I am your host, Joe Fricky, joined uh, by my co-host, Tristan Mayer, where each week we kind of break down what happened, what released uh, this week on Disney+. Plus. I think it was a pretty solid week overall from Disney+. Plus. We got some new drops, we got some trailers, we got some uh, shows. Tristan, what were your thoughts on Disney+, Plus this week? Yeah, pretty good epi- uh, Pretty good week for Disney+. Plus. Uh, what if not quite a standout, but a solid one? But yeah, I think the headline drop was definitely <sighs> Star Wars Visions, so we're going to get a lot of talk out of that one. Uh, it'll be good to talk about that. And I've seen a lot of divisive opinions. People who rank them have different episodes all over the rankings, so it'll be interesting to see where you have yours at and where I have mine at and see who, who fell on what side for each of the episodes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to be breaking – if you know – if you see our sidebars over here, you can kind of figure out what you're breaking down, but maybe you're listening to the podcast uh, version, which is slowly growing in audience. So we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, What If episode, What If Thor Were an Only Child. We'll be talking about the most recent episode of Doogie Kame Aloha MD. We're going to be talking about that uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion trailer that dropped. And we're going to do a complete breakdown on every episode of Star Wars Visions. And then we'll also be talking about uh, Disney Plus Day, which will be November 12th, where it's kind of going to be like a little online expo on Disney Plus, where they're going to be talking about basically their projects of like 2022 and beyond. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started uh, with the What If Thor Were an Only Child. Uh, I got a little image here if you didn't see the episode. Uh, basically, the idea was what if Odin didn't keep Loki and adopt Loki and instead turn Loki over to the Frost Giants and returned him home, what would Thor's life be like? And you kind of see uh, he's basically still got that same heart of gold type deal, but he's just kind of more of a douchebag. <laughs> he's a party-going California douchebag is basically how I would describe Thor. Uh, and he decides he wants to have a massive party on Earth, which can cause problems, and so... Uh, this has Maria Hill contact Captain Marvel a little earlier than before because they think uh, Thor's party might lead to Earth's destruction. Tristan, what were your thoughts on this episode? And also, if you're watching on the video uh, video aspect of this show, whether it's on Twitch or YouTube, you might notice Tristan's camera cutting in and out. Uh, his audio stays throughout, so he'll be with us the entire time. It's just the, his video might go away every now and then. Yeah, uh, I love the first Thor movie. It's one of my favorite MCU movies. I think it's kind of underrated in, the, in its comedy, especially. So I saw this episode, and I thought, oh, it's a comedy set within like the timeline of the first Thor movie and an alternate version on Thor that's even more ridiculous than he was in the first Thor movie. <laughs> so I was kind of looking forward to this one. And overall, it, it delivered okay. You know, I wouldn't say it was bad. It's not one that I'm going to look back and be like, oh, that was one of the worst episodes. But it, it's... Among the, the the mid-tier, you know, just one that was a fine, passable, good time. But until those last couple seconds, <laughs> I, I didn't really feel like something that was really going for it and changing anything. It was just, let's have the characters and have fun. It reminded me of the T'Challa episode where it was just like, oh, let's take all the characters, you know, and kind of throw them into ridiculous situations and have it be fun. Yeah, that's kind of how this episode wasn't for me. It wasn't mind-blowing. It didn't, like, reconceptualize how I thought of Thor. It kind of was interesting, though. There were some dynamics that were kind of fun, like the fact that Thor and Loki got along when they weren't raised as brothers, but they kind of became best friends uh, when you had the line, uh, you know, brother from another mother. But And it was kind of interesting to see how him and uh, Jane Foster still fell in love and all that, even though how he came to Earth was under different circumstances. 
Yeah, that's always fun to see those through lines of what changes and stay the same through the characters' arcs, even though like everything is different. You know, and Thor's arc in the first movie is, is similar, where it's like he's this very arrogant character and he's full of himself and thinks that he's like you know the untouchable god, and then he kind of gets reality checked. Uh, and this is kind of similar to that. And I thought the action was also really good. I wanted to praise that too. I thought the fight towards you know with Captain Marvel yeah. and Thor was really interesting strong visuals a lot of great visuals this week on disney plus but this was a standout for me i thought a fun lead up to it was up and down in the comedy but yeah i thought the action at the end was delivered so if you're watching the show for the action you at least got a little bit of some action at the end yeah that's true uh but the main talking point about this episode because this episode was rather generic was the last like five seconds where spoiler alert if you haven't watched the episode and you want to and you don't want to be spoiled, there's a big thing that happens in the last five seconds where essentially uh, a uh, Infinity Stone wielding Ultron slash Vision appears through a portal and basically confirms everything I've thought since about episode two of this show in that all of the episodes are connected and this isn't just an anthology show. Yep, and I think it's also worth noting that uh, the watcher was even surprised by this. You know, it wasn't just us caught off guard. He was ch- wrapping up the story, giving us a lesson that he kind of had like a wait what moment. I think he literally said wait what and looked down, and he was plot twisted by Ultron. So we're gonna see the even the watcher is kind of off guard in this situation. So yeah, we were talking about even before the show started. I think one of us predicted that the watcher was gonna become involved and have to put himself into the plot somehow. And it looks like this is gonna be with gets him there something that he even he can't predict or be aware of something that can threaten him directly that's going to be this ultron vision with an affinity stone that's really exciting and it could be a fun way to bring everything together yep yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh anything more you want to add about uh what if uh thor were an only child or wasn't really a whole lot going on this episode as far as i also thought it was cool that loki was uh, grew into be an actual frost giant, yeah. <laughs> like he was a full size, not not like a runt frost giant. He was like a full sized yeah. frost giant. It was pretty cool, and I like that Tom Tom Hiddleston still voiced even when he was like the frost giant Loki. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. All right, uh, you ready to move on to uh, Doogie Kame Aloha MD? I'm ready to move on to that show. Another impressive show. Yeah, this show, honestly, like I'm waiting for it to drop off, and I don't think it's going to, at least not this season. Uh, If you, you know, didn't hear us talk about this before and don't know what this show is, it's essentially a reboot of the show Doogie Howser, but now it focuses on a girl in Hawaii who's a 16-year-old doctor. Um, And the plot of this episode was basically, she's like, hey, I'm a full-on doctor, I'm out here saving lives, and my parents won't let me borrow the car, and I feel like that's definitely a plot that could get very much like Disney Channel show-ish, and I still still feel like they balance... Their show is extremely good at balancing the line of her being, you know, this mature, accomplished doctor while also being a 16-year-old kid, and I felt like the tone of the show balanced as well. It's very much a family show. It's definitely not, like, a strictly a kid's show. And uh, I like how they resolved a lot of the plot lines, and I, I like the characterizations. It's not overly kiddish, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, I'm continually impressed by the show. It you mentioned the tone, and I think that is what is always impressive for me of this show is it could so easily just be another kids show, and there's plenty of that on Disney Plus where it's just like this is clearly 
not for me, not for us. And we've covered that before. We covered the first episode and never talked about it again. And I think it shows that we're three episodes in and we're still talking about it and saying it's just as good as it was. You know, it's not, might not captivate you dramatically in, in some way that you'd, in, in like the way, like the top tier of television might or something. But like, if you're looking for a nice comfort watch, I think this is a great comfort watch. Just a nice every week to sit down and watch like this show with these characters that care about each other and resolve their problems amicably and <laughs> get along well. And yeah, especially a, a, a genuine family show. It's not just for kids. Not yeah. You're never going to get something that crosses a line into being like, oh, maybe it's for not for kids. And it's a perfect balance. Teens love it, I would think, and could connect to the characters. And uh, we're, we're not teens at all. <laughs> we're adults who are liking it too. So I think that shows the... The age range yeah and unlike a lot of disney channel shows where the parents are essentially just like giant kids and like dumb and you know annoying the parents are actually like legit parents in this show they're act like adults behave like adults sure they might be a little goofy at times but like the mom on the show is a doctor and there's no point in the show where i don't believe she's a doctor and the dad kind of just runs his own because it's on hawaii so he runs like this shaved ice and lay uh truck and I fully believe that he's capable of doing that, and I'm not like, how is this moron out here driving a truck? And, yeah, I uh, think the parents are great characters. Like you said, they could so easily become generic, but they're not here, and I think they're easy to root for, and you actually kind of empathize with their problems. <laughs> you know, they're not just there to lightly come in when the main character needs them to connect to their plot. They actually have plots of their own, you know, so parents watching this aren't just, like, bored to tears. They, actually, I would think, have characters they can connect to, and people who have struggles like how do I balance my work and family life and the dad who's trying to be like a cool dad to his daughter who is now kind of growing up and uh you have moments throughout where he's not quite the dad he's not quite as cool as he used to be I think there's a moment in, in the previous episode where they mentioned some kind of he was so romantic in his past and he was like this really suave guy and I, it's kind of cool to see like he was the suave guy now he's like this dorky dad yeah. <laughs> they feel they feel dorky in, in real ways that actual parents, I think, feel that way. Not and not like big parodies. For sure, definitely. Uh, I was gonna ask a question. Oh, there's a hashtag we need to get ro- going on this show. Um, says so I was watching this episode, I had one question, and that's hashtag Where's Walter? He was a big yeah, part I mean, of episode one and two, and he just wasn't even mentioned in episode three. Where, hashtag Where's Walter? We've discussed Walter so much on the show. He's like a primary uh, discussion point, and I feel kind of ripped off that he was in this episode, honestly. I, I saw on IMDb that he's listed for many episodes, so I'm hoping for a, a Walter focus. Maybe maybe give me like a whole Walter episode to make up for yeah, it, like a, a bottle episode just to yeah. Walter. Yeah, Walter and his family. Maybe he's actually like an adult like dentist, you know? Yeah, he's got like a whole life. Yeah. And he has like a whole different city he goes to and lives like a life. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid dentist, you know. Yeah, he's kid. Wow, Joe, we wrote a whole spit off right now. Yeah, with Walter. Ain't no way his name's. Or what if it's like a reverse thing? What if he's actually an adult, but he has some disease or syndrome like Andy Milanakis that makes him look sixteen? But his character. Oh, that's 30. a good one. He's been a dentist for like forty years, and now he's living as a kid. Yeah. Because he can't live among adults. Yep. It's a reverse Doogie Hauser. Boom. Disney, we've been we've been giving you so many good ideas for so many shows. I don't I understand why you haven't made any of them yet. All right. Anything else you want to say about? Uh... <laughs> oh, one of the things I wanted I, as I was watching, did you have the same thought I did that they were messing with her and that they were actually gonna like buy her a car and like they a were just bit. waiting or they were like gonna give her, like the parents 
family was going to get a new car and they were going to give her like the mom's car and they were just messing with her the whole time. Yeah, because that's like a kind of a trope in a lot of these shows where they'll have that that arc of like, oh, they're not going to give it to the kid and the kid does the hard work and then at the end the parents are like, oh, actually we are going to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I thought a little, a little bit about that, especially now that you mentioned it. But yeah, I, that would have been a good possibility. Yeah, I, I like how it wrapped up uh, with basically them kind of realizing that they kind of take for granted who their daughter is to an extent. So mm-hmm. I thought that worked well. Uh, but yeah, if you don't have anything else for uh, Doogie Kame Aloha, uh, say we move on to our next topic. Let's do it. Let's We're kind of speed running this through one. this because we know our last two topics <laughs> are going to take a while. So Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm really excited for the big one, You know, our headline topic. Yeah, I think we have a lot to talk about know, for that. But, however, our next topic is uh, the Muppets Haunted Mansion trailer which I forgot to look up when that releases. I'm, I know it's like the early October, maybe even October 1st, is when the uh, movie drops on um, Disney+. Plus. It's a strictly Disney Plus release. And it's if you haven't seen the trailer, it's kind of what you would expect. It's the Haunted Mansion with the Muppets. Uh, there's a few human characters in there. I remember I see, saw Ed Asner in there, R.I.P., uh, Will Arnett is kind of like the host. He's kind of the butler. I, I don't know. I've never ridden the ride. I don't, my only experience with the Haunted Mansion is the Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, so he basically plays the uh, Terrence Stamp role. Uh, is how I connect to it. Will Arnett does. Um, and I remember Miss Piggy is the woman whose head is in the jar. That was uh, played by, I think, Jennifer Tilly in the uh, Eddie Murphy movie. Um, but yeah. And yeah, I, I've also, whatever, I can't, behind the attraction, I've also watched that for the Haunted Mansion. And part of, after seeing that and watching the trailer, part of me wonders, did they actually film parts of this movie on the ride? It looks like they might have. I have ridden the the, the uh, Disneyland version of Haunted Mansion. I'm not sure if there's one at the World or other, other versions of the parks. But yeah, I was a big fan of the ride, so I'm looking forward to this. I haven't quite had the experience with the Muppets, though. I think I saw like one Muppets movie and I've seen some Kermit I'm more experienced with like various characters of the Muppets and other things and like (laughs) I love the look of the Muppets and other individual personalities and like them making cameos and other shows and and talk shows and things like that has always been really fun so I'm honestly excited to watch this to be my first time watching like a a new Muppets thing and it's coming out and it's same I love Halloween as you can slightly see from the background of my uh, shot here I'm getting ready for my Halloween vibes in october so yeah it'll be fun a ride i love to an, an, an iconic franchise to in, be introduced to so it'll be a fun one to watch all right and i looked it up a it comes out uh friday october 8th is when that drops so yeah it looks fun it looks basically what typically what you would expect from a muppets haunted mansion obviously there's like a joke in there where a character is about to say hell and they stop him and they're like you can't say that so obviously it's going to be very g-rated it's disney plus in the bumpets yeah I'm, I'm curious because the haunted mansion ride is like really really has that perfect balancing of being dark but not too dark but there is like in the opening sequence like there's at disneyland when you go through the rides especially in some of the more iconic ones like there's this whole buildup where you're going through the line and they have like a lore that's building up. And at the beginning of the haunted mansion, as you're going down the elevator, they have, they emulate someone hanging themselves and killing themselves above you in the elevator. <laughs> it's part of the horror. And it's one of the most iconic parts of the, of the, of the ride. So I'm really curious how they're going to adapt, like 
some of the darker elements of the Haunted Mansion ride and how they'll avoid, like, it, it's very much about death and, like, darker images of horror and very gothic. So it'll be interesting to see how that clashes with the Muppet style. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they pull it off. Uh, I'm intrigued to see it. I might watch it, get ten minutes into it, and be like, I hate this, and turn it off. But uh, we shall see. All right. You want to move on to our big topic for the day? Yeah, we have, we have a big topic coming up. I am looking forward to that, though. And if you want to see other uh, Halloween-related Disney stuff, at some point on Twitter they put out like a whole list of all of their Halloween episodes. So throughout October I'm probably going to be covering like a handful of those week to week as yeah. I'm watching them. Yeah, during October we'll, you know, do more reviews of like Halloween stuff, especially as What If wraps up and uh, we obviously won't have Vision. So I think we'll be in a little, I, I mean, we've been saying every week, oh, we're going to be in a drought here the next few weeks and they just keep <laughs> dropping content. So who knows? Um, yeah, because we're not getting anything Star Wars related until Book of Boba Fett around Christmas time and we're not getting anything after what if drops or finishes up and that only has two more weeks so that's basically early October is when that's done and we're not getting anything Marvel until um, uh, Hawkeye yeah, okay. 12th, so we'll have all of October really of not not much of a, of the big property so we'll be able to really focus in and hone in on Halloween we might do some reviews of some old decoms like under wraps or uh, mom's got a date with a vampire or something like that classic so, all right, you ready to move on to uh, Star Wars Visions? I'm ready to move on. All right, yeah, so Star Wars Visions, if you didn't watch us last week and you've kind of been out of, you know, the Star Wars discussion online, uh, Star Wars Visions, basically uh, Lucasfilm was in talks with various anime studios, or anime, I guess, it's the correct pronunciation, about doing non-canon Star Wars shorts uh, in their style, whatever story they wanted to do, and... They all, like, made various stories, and Lucasfilm put them up on Disney+. Plus. They're not canon. Uh, some of them, I think, could easily... Lucasfilm could be like, right now, this one's canon, and it wouldn't really mess with anything. Others, there's 0% chance any of it could really be canon. And then there's other ones that you could probably, if you told it in a different medium and shaped a few things and just changed a few details here and there, it could easily slide into canon. But uh, as of right now... Uh, they're just fun, fun stories to watch, be entertained by. Uh, so let's kick off with the first one, and the first one was titled The Duel, and Tristan and I actually did a live watch-along to that. You can find that currently here on our Twitch stream. Uh, it's also up on our YouTube channel right now, so uh, if, you want, if you're interested in watching us watch The Duel, uh, go ahead and find that. Uh, this one basically very much heavily inspired by... Uh, uh, Kurosawa, uh, uh, black and white imagery, except for the lights, were all, uh, various colors, um, really interesting old school kind of episode to take Star Wars back to its roots with the whole Kurosawa aspect, and basically, the fight is a, two dark side users kind of going against each other, and I thought it was a really, uh, interesting and fun episode. Uh, Tristan, I, I know... We watched it together, but what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, we watched it together. I, I pulled out this shirt today, uh, and it has, you can obviously not tell, but uh, from, if you're watching on Twitch, you might be able to tell, but I have little Hawaiian Star Wars on here. felt like a nice version of uh, Visions, and I'm looking, and I realize that there actually are, like, samurai versions of, of Darth Vader on here, so I have a themed shirt for this episode. Nice, but, yeah, nice. Uh, 
yeah, I had a good time with this one. We watched it live, and it was really a fun one to kick it off with because it was so stylistic. It's probably the most, like, these are all very stylistic, but this, I think, has the most obvious style to it that really stands it out from the rest of them. And I really liked how much it connected back to the true origins of Star Wars and George Lucas's initial inspirations. And I think that's something that's at the root of Star Wars and at the core of, of these stories. And I think it was, especially for the premiere of the season, to to start with, like going all the way back to the thing that brought this to what we have today, you know, and that was really a cool thing to see. Yeah, uh, for sure. Did you watch any of the uh, featurettes for the episodes? I I watched a couple of them, but I haven't gotten a chance to go through all of them yet. Did you watch the one for uh, this episode? No, I haven't seen this one. So remember, we're as so if you watched us watch it, uh, there's two moments where uh, they're fighting on the. Um, the log and we we're like oh that'd be awesome if they if like a future star wars project did a reference to this that scene <laughs> however is a reference to a previous moment in star wars can you take a guess at what moment that is okay i'm trying to think they're on a log they're on the they're log rolling. and the log's floating around the river I it's got to be a reference to anakin versus obi-wan yeah, Anakin vs. Obi-Wan and Revenge of Sith. And there's another moment, too, with the waterfall, where their waterfall's coming in between them, and they're, they're on either side of it. Any guess uh, what that was a visual reference to? So, uh, I couldn't guess on that one. So maybe Last Jedi, there's a waterfall related to some no, water imagery in Last Jedi. it's actually a reference <laughs> to the Phantom Menace with the uh, laser wall between Maul and uh, Qui-Gon. Uh, I love it. And they said there's a like there's a moment too because as the director is describing it, he's like there's a moment where you're seeing Qui Gon be super like patient and he's calm and he's like just meditating and Maul's just impatient and he hits the hits the laser door with his lightsaber and then it cuts to side by side. You're seeing Maul hit the laser door with his lightsaber next to the uh, Sith woman hit the waterfall with her lightsaber and it was very much you could see like the inspiration they took from the phantom menace so it's kind of cool for us to be like oh they should reference this in a future star wars <laughs> and for them to be like no this was us referencing something else and it being mm-hmm. like so subtle that we missed it but yeah and i i love how much this whole series takes little bits and imagery from star wars and we'll talk about it throughout the whole discussion but yeah that's something that i was really impressed with overall was just how well this series kind of just took uh images and, and moments and kind of themes of Star Wars. It, it never, ever felt like just repeating Star Wars no. in this show. Yeah, this is one of the... When it comes to Star Wars, it's one of the things I always, like, go back to as far as, like, what I hope future creators do is something John Favreau said in one of the Mandalorian um, uh, gallery episodes that are basically behind-the-scenes featurettes. And it was him saying, like, when he set out to make The Mandalorian, he didn't want to, like, reference Star Wars. He wanted to reference and be inspired by the things that George Lucas referenced and being, was inspired by. And so that's kind of what this, a lot of these episodes reminded me of. It was going back to the original, like, samurai films and stuff that George Lucas was inspired by, so. I wanted to mention, too, the studio that did this episode, Kamikaze 2, I, I did mention it last, ep- or last uh, stream, but... They did Batman Ninja, so if you want to see, yeah. like, a very not exactly the same animation style, of course, but like it, it's similar to Batman Ninja in in the way that it's made. So if you liked the Ninja takes on Star Wars, you want to see a Batman Ninja, uh, t- check it out. It's on HBO Max, which is not 
this show, but hey, you know, yeah. I like the competitors once in a while. All right, and uh, did you say what your ranking for this episode was? I have this one at number three on my list. Okay, yeah, I had it number one, so I'm curious to see what you thought was what you incorrectly thought was better than this. <laughs> I will say my only my it was hard to put things over this, but my one negative towards this is just that I think the choice to make it extreme Kurosawa is a, is a bit more of an a, an easy choice comparatively to more of the creative animation styles that were used future in the future episodes. So for me, that's what knocked down a couple of pegs. I didn't think. It was as creative of a choice visually as some of the other episodes were. All right. Uh, you ready to move on to our next episode? I'm ready. All right. The next episode is entitled Tatooine Rhapsody, and it basically fe- focuses on this young rock band, you know, trying to make it in the world where the Empire uh, is risen. We have our main character here, uh, voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt Levitt in the English uh, dub version, who you kind of find out is a you know Jedi Padawan who survived Order 66 and he's working with uh, various of his friends to create this rock band and this is the only one that has known characters we come across Boba Fett we come across Jabba the Hutt and uh, it's a very fun interesting episode I think it's uh, I think this is probably the most mixed episode I think people either like it a lot or people are very much against it maybe they didn't like the song in the end but I enjoyed the episode. Uh, what, did, what did you think? Yeah, this one was not uh, a great one for me. I thought it was okay. I think there's moments that I liked. But I wanted to mention, you You said that Jesse Gordon-Levitt did the English voicing, and I forgot to mention that I, did, I actually didn't watch this in English. I watched this whole series outside of our premiere stream. I decided to watch it all in Japanese with subtitles. So, And this is the episode that convinced me to do it. Because I got like a couple seconds into this song and I was like, this is, there's no way this is written to be in English. This is like, <laughs> these lyrics are like not great. So I turned it on to Japanese and I thought the song was actually really good in Japanese compared to what it was in English. And I decided from then on out to just kind of watch the whole show in Japanese to get the, like the true anime experience, <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, I'm a dumb American and I do watch, you know, foreign films and other stuff. But when it comes to animation, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just watch it in English. So you don't know any of the American voice cast, do you? Or did you have you? Seen I heard it? some of the names that were in the episodes, but I did. I don't know who was in what or. Okay, outside so we of have, obviously Boba Fett was in this. Yeah, Bo- was... Tamara Morrison is Boba Fett. You have uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the uh, Jedi, uh, and then you also have Bobby Moynihan as uh, Geezer the Hut. Uh, who is the, one of the members of the rock band, who I was hoping when he was first introduced would be revealed to be Rada, who is uh, Jabba's son in the Clone Wars movie, because that's a character, I mean, it's Jabba's son, and we've seen him once, and I, I'm, I just want him to pop up again, and this is the one that, uh, I know it's very mixed and people aren't fans of it, but this is the one episode I feel like Lucasfilm could come out and be like, everything about this episode is 100% canon, and I'd be like, okay, because it doesn't break any rules, it completely fits within the universe, the characters, the known characters we saw with Jabba and Boba Fett are, like, accurate to the portrayals of what we've seen, so I'd be okay if they made this episode fully uh, canon, but uh, one of the things I really liked was that he changed his lightsaber hilt into his microphone. I kind of like that he changed, like, what, you know, it's still, the microphone basically still brings peace in a way, you know, but he just changed how it does it, I guess. Yeah, and I think it was powerful, too, because, like, uh, 
I'm not into music as I was before, but I, there was a time where I was into music and I was playing with friends and we were like trying, we were doing a handful of things here and there. And uh, music can really bond people and bring people together from different cultures and different like, you know, classes. And this episode really focused on that and like the power of music to bond people who are from literally across the galaxy of different species from different planets and uh, and in any other situation not be together, but because of this band, they are together. And I thought that was cool to see it, especially I think young people who are into music would like this. You know, if you have, if you're like a teenager, I think I would have liked this a lot if I was like, you know, 12 or, and I was in, into the kind of music that they're playing. And I was into the kind of like rebel angst of like standing up against the man. And I think this could, this could work for people who are into that kind of a thing. And especially if you're into music and into the music industry, I think this could be one that might be one reason why people who are really positive on it are so positive on it. But yeah. for me, I was not quite positive on it. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw the behind the scenes featurette for this one, but basically uh, the it was more focused on the people of Lucasfilm. And like every time the Japanese studio sent like the Lucasfilm people stuff, whether it was like their drawings of Boba Fett or the drawings of the main character, like the song they had sent in, like every step of the way, the people of Lucasfilm were like, I don't know about this one. Like I'm a little hesitant, but then when they finally saw it and they saw how it all came together, they were, you know, super on board with it and big fans of it. And I kind of like that aspect of like the entire way they were just like, I, if, I don't think this is going to work, but I obviously did. Now I will say, I don't know where you ranked it. This is the one I ranked eighth out of ninth, but I will say overall, I did enjoy um, all of them. So just cause I ranked it lower, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. One positive I thought was the character design. So uh, it's interesting. They were like hesitant about the character designs and I thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah. I, I like the kind of like shrunken action figure kind of look on some of the characters. And I like that a lot. Uh, and I also wanted to mention, uh, I will say my ranking for this is the same as yours. I have it at eight, but that's not. I did. I did. I did not like this one. It was okay, but for me, it was just definitely one of the weaker ones of the bunch. And uh, well, I also wanted to mention uh, the studio is a uh, studio color radio. I believe is how you say it. And uh, I don't want to leave them hanging like I don't like their work because they made Penguin Highway, a movie I really liked. Uh, it's about a small village where. Uh, the main character is this girl who's in like sixth or seventh grade. She's a middle schooler, and uh, for some reason, all of these penguins start showing up in her like village in the middle of, uh, you know, like uh, similar to the village we'll see in in uh, the village bride, like a remote village with where there's be no reason for penguins to be. So, if you want to see something interesting from the studio that looks somewhat similar and also follows young people and kind of like a coming of age story, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And they also had a, because uh, this, two of the studios doubled up, and I can't remember what the other one was, but this one also had a another short uh, that was more widely, re- my, w- m- that was more well-received than this one, I would say. And I, there were people who were fans of this one, like I was, but they did another one that I think people liked better overall, because I think it more matched the tone of what people would expect from Star Wars, where this was more... Um, kind of different in tone, I would say. We haven't really had anything that focused on music like this. But you ready to go to the next episode? Yeah, what do we got? All right, the next episode is called Twins, and it's the most balls-to-the-wall, like, wild, crazy, could-never-be-canon episode that there was. Like, this is the one that 
Uh, I don't know. You'd have to change so much it would be unrecognizable from the original episode to make it canon. And it's basically uh, these two twins who were created by the dark side or created like using the dark side uh, during the time of the em Empire to like help rule and control the galaxy. And eventually one of the twins turns to the light side and they kind of have to battle each other out in this most crazy, epic, over-the-top battle that you could ever possibly imagine in Star Wars. You have two Star Destroyers that are, like, connected to each other. It's it's wild. It's crazy. We saw a little bit of the Haldo maneuver in there. So, uh, and I saw people, there's, I saw people complaining about this, epi one complaint about this episode I will never understand is, like, there's a time where they're out in space and they're, like, fine. And I'm like, you've seen all of the other crazy over-the-topness in this episode, and, like, you're questioning how they're able to breathe in space. I'm just like, people people need a hobby, I guess. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I was as high on this episode as most people, but I did like it. Uh, I uh, ranked this one 7th out of 9. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I thought this was awesome. Like, it, this is the most anime of these episodes where it's just, like, balls-to-the-wall action, and it's like... The dialogue is, like, right out of a manga where it's just, like, really on the nose. Like, oh, he's overcharging his power, and they're going... It, it felt like I was... I think anime, especially, like, this style of anime, feels like it's much... It's really in touch with its roots, its comic books. Like, it, all the dialogue is very much just there to service the visuals, and I think that's something Studio Trigger does really well. Most of their stuff looks like this, and it's very much like, okay, we're going to piece the story together enough so that we can give you the, the visual medium that we look at animation as. And I think this is uh, a great one. I, I was into this characters enough to follow the story. You know, I liked that there were these two twins born of the dark side of the forest and kind of reminded me of Ray and Kylo Ren in the way that they had this like connection uh, born from the forest that was kind of bonding them throughout time, even though they were on these op opposing paths. I really liked the visuals. I thought, I have the, like a uh, color reactive lights on my TV, and this is the one episode that made oh, yeah. the most use out of it. Did it break it? <laughs> I know I was mind blown by that one, but yeah, this is very, very uh, studio trigger. So if you like this, I'd recommend checking out Promare, which is one of the, a movie they made that came out a couple of years ago that's really, really action oriented, and it very much looks like this. And they also have a series, Kill the Kill, is one of the biggest anime shows uh, in terms of popularity, uh, and that's from them as well. But they have a ton, a ton of stuff, so you could definitely look them up. And they have another episode on Visions as well. So for me, I put the Twins uh, as my number one episode. Oh, interesting. And I will say <laughs> the American uh, dub version, you have Allison Brie and Neil Patrick Harris as the voice of the Twins. So, Yeah, I thought this was really in touch with Star Wars and like the duality of yeah. uh, Star Wars and the, like the the embodiment of the force and how it's like this good and light kind of in this constant battle for control and like poetry, it rhymes, you know, and I think that <laughs> Star Wars is all about, a lot about family, a lot about twins and duality. And that was throughout this episode. And I liked that kind of moment at the end when he says like, Oh, I want to go do what I can to find her and save her still. And he sees like the twin sun setting in and it kind of connects everything together. And that's what I liked about this so much is, it didn't feel like Star Wars in, its, in some ways. Like, it didn't look like Star Wars, but yeah. it felt like Star Wars. You know what I mean? And it had so many of the beats that connected. And I thought that twin sunshot at the end really tied it all together where I was like, this feels like something that it's not canon to Star Wars, but it feels united with Star Wars in yeah. the way that it 
its themes are, are very much in touch with Star Wars. I would agree with that. Alright, uh, you ready to move on to the next episode? I'm ready. Alright, the next episode is titled The Village Bride, and it's essentially uh, this young couple is getting married, and uh, we find out that the bride is, is essentially going to go off with this criminal that is kind of attacking her village and raiding her village in her grandfather's place to keep her grandfather and her village safe. And these two Jedi find out about what's going on, and the older Jedi is kind of like, you know, sometimes these type of things happen and you just kind of have to let them happen. And the younger Jedi, uh, uh, the character F, is essentially like, I'm not, I don't want to just stand around and let this happen, like this is wrong. And uh, kind of the showdown between uh, Jedi F and this kind of criminal uh, raider guy that uh, is attacking the village. And I really like this episode. I, it reminded me a lot of like the 90s, like the look of it and animation and like the feel of like the Studio Ghibli kind of movies. Um, uh, so I, I, uh, this is actually my second favorite one of all of them. Uh, I will say yeah. one thing. There's a shot, a moment in the very end, and this is a little bit of a spoiler where the character F, like, pulls out her lightsaber, and she has, like, these heels on, and the heels part comes apart, and I thought we were gonna have her have, like, the slow-walking Yojimbo shot, which is, like, the super iconic shot of, uh, Toshiro Mifune from, uh, Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo, with her just walking towards the raider. I was very wrong. We got, uh, forced running in Star Wars again because she runs and kills that guy in less than the blink of an eye. And I thought it was amazing, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I'll say first off that I have the same spot as you. It's my number two of the of the series, so we agree on one uh, here. Oh, yeah, we have good, you have good taste occasionally. <laughs> Once in a while, you're right, Joe. But yeah, I thought this was really in touch with... You mentioned the Studio Ghibli visuals, and I love the way that this one talks about the force and it being like part of nature and part of the planet and like this one for me was battling for the number one spot because i i thought this was just about as good as uh the twins was just in in its own way you know (laughs) so it was more just like what was i looking for but for me the force is like what i watch star wars for i think it's the most interesting part of the lore and the interesting part of the whole universe of star wars and i thought it was really fascinating to see how that was adapted into uh through the lenses of a new culture and through the lenses of like this fantasy world, you know, and yeah. it, I love the way that it, it had it as like this literal pre- physical thing that was living, like moving the world around them. And I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought this was really great. Maybe, maybe it'll be my number one. If I, whenever you watch it, who knows? Yeah. One of the things uh, I really like is uh, how like various cultures view the force within star Wars, like the Chiss, uh, which is, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn species like call them Skywalkers in their language and like that's how they view them and then you uh, there's another there's this book where Luke's traveling around and like detailing his adventures and the uh, people that experience the Force there consider um, like compare it to like the ocean waves of like it rises and falls and stuff like that and so it was kind of interesting to see how this culture views the Force and uh, I, I really like the episode. Yeah, I definitely liked it a lot. This is one. Uh, it'd be interesting to talk when we get to the end of what we'd like to see from the feature of the show. But this is one that I would like to see, like a return to at some point, or at least like another work from in this style from the studio. Yeah. You know, maybe not the same characters, but 
I want to mention the studio now that I said uh, Cinema Citrus. They're a great studio. They made they did Made in Abyss, which I thought was incredible. So maybe I'm a little biased coming into this because it does kind of look like Made in Abyss, the animation style. But that's a much darker fantasy. But I really like that one. It follows young people going into this big uh, cataclysmic hole that leads to like some abyss, you know, some darkness below that they can't understand. And they leave their they're kind of orphanage behind to go on this adventure into the abyss. And as they get deeper and deeper, the the creatures get more and more crazy and the, and the world gets more and more crazy. So if you want something definitely dark, but uh, if, you, if you're into fantasy and you're like, I wish Star Wars was really, really dark, you might like Made in Abyss. Yeah. And also just to continue the trend of saying the voice cast, uh, the main uh, character of F, the lead character, uh, is voiced by Karen Fukuhara, who you might recognize as Katana in uh, the Suicide Squad, or just Suicide Squad. And if you don't know who Katana is, you know, she's got my back. She can cut all of you in half with one sword stroke, just like mowing the lawn. I would advise not getting killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. Did so, you memorize that, Joe? Nope. I looked it up and read it. Wow. I'm not that talented. Speaking of the sword, though, I thought the lightsaber was really oh, cool yeah. in this the, episode. The yellow, like, katana. Uh, I mean, it was a katana, <laughs> so you had to get uh, Karen Fukuhara, who played katana. Yeah, know. I was going to say, it's probably my favorite of the alternate lightsabers we got in this series. I think it was yeah. just different enough that it didn't feel ridiculous. Like, some of the stuff, especially in, like, the, the twins, it was like, this is, like, <laughs> so beyond the realm of reality. But this yeah. felt like something that... What, and feasibly could exist in the in the visual realm of Star Wars. Yeah, uh, the Village Bride is definitely one. I feel like they could also basically just essentially say is canon. It takes place during the Clone Wars, and you could be like, oh, we've just never really met these two Jedi before, and they go off on like this. Legitimately, could have just been like a one-off episode of the Clone Wars. Yeah, I could see this being a planet that Obi Wan or Ahsoka show up to, and they're like, oh, look at this culture, and like a yeah. yeah. All right, uh, so uh, next up we got the Ninth Jedi. Uh, basically, uh, this lightsaber smith uh, is, you know, about to be attacked, and so he gives his lightsaber to his daughter to bring to what's essentially going to be the Council of these Jedis, meeting for the first time to reforge the new Jedi Order. And uh, I really like the episode. I think it was interesting. It's definitely one that deals a lot with uh you know the themes of star wars and you know the story of star wars and uh i don't want to spoil too much of the episode but there's a pretty nice twist in there and uh i like this episode a lot i rank this one actually third overall uh and this one uh for some behind-the-scenes info, actually started off as two stories. They had the story, the, the studio had pitched two stories. One uh, was about the blacksmith uh, who, you know, was able to create a lightsaber even though he didn't have the force. And then the other one was about, like, this girl, you know, helping reform the new Jedi Order. And it was actually Lucasfilm that pitched to them, like, hey, what if you... I know we said these shorts are only allowed to be 10 to 15 minutes, but what if we combine these two ideas and we let you guys just do one longer short instead of two shorter ones? And they, uh, the people at the studio really liked that, and they agreed to it. And so that's why this is the longest one at, like, 22 minutes. So, uh, Tristan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I figured you would like this one. I was almost thinking it was going to be number one, so I'm really curious what your number one is. And I saw your list on Twitter. I already Twitter, said but... my number one. My number one's The Duel. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking when I finished the show that this should be number one. So uh, coming into this, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I was excited to see that you had a different num- number one then. Yeah, uh, for me, this this definitely worked. For me, it's, it's, it, I have it the same rank as... Oh, you know what? I have it at number four. So I have, I think, one rank below you. But I thought this was pretty good overall. I liked how... It, it seemed to add to the lore of Star Wars in its own way. You know, it's not quite canon, but it, it almost could be in a, in a certain way. Like, if it's so ancient yeah. that this could easily have happened. And that is something that we talked about on this show, I think, is wanting out of Star Wars is a look at the at the way back in the past, like the forming of the Sith and, and like, get us away from the Skywalkers, get us away from everything we've seen before. And this felt like that and... See, at least in its setting. See it's, see, it's funny. You look at this one and you think, oh, this took place like thousands of years before the Star Wars we know. I almost pick, envision this one ap- happening like thousands of years after Episode Nine. Interesting. I wonder if they establish a timeline at all. Because when I as it was, that was definitely how I thought. Like, oh, it's some ancient time. But yeah, I liked that Star Wars can go in either either really either direction. I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I slightly wasn't on board with was like the fact that like the light cha- lightsaber color changes uh changes based on like who's wielding it but that also goes back to like original concepts for return of the jedi if there was going to be uh a moment where like when luke is going angry on vader that his lightsaber starts to turn red or there was going to be a moment where vader grabs luke's lightsaber and it turns red and stuff like that but um but that was, and that's like the, a minor, minor gripe with the episode. I did like it a lot, and I, it's what we were talking before. This is one of the ones that, if we were to see a sequel to any of them, this is one of the ones I'd most want to see a sequel to. Yeah, I I thought this was really an interesting one. I wanted to mention before I forget, studio as well, uh, production IG, I believe is the name. They have a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, they worked in the Ghost in the Shell universe on the Ghost in the Shell spinoffs that I really enjoyed a lot, at least of the TV shows they worked on. Uh, and they also worked on other Batman. We have two Batman appearances on the list here. Uh, they worked on Batman Gotham Knight, which it was okay. these the short. It's like an anthology of, of shorts connected to Batman that are canon to the Christopher Nolan movie universe. So if you want to get a bit more of the Christopher Nolan movie verse, and you like The Ninth Jedi, might be one to check out. All right, and uh, I'm just doing some quick research here. Um, just talking while I do research because I want. One thing I wanted to say uh, for me, a reason that this wasn't higher on the list, and the reason that it's kind of in the middle for me, is that despite the setting feeling very unique, I, I didn't necessarily feel like it stood apart. Like this could have been in any normal Star Wars animated show. I didn't necessarily feel like it took full advantage of being this off the wall, what if kind of show. You know, and that isn't necessarily a knock on it, but for me, that was what something that boosted a lot of these up was how creatively they used Star Wars to, and really changed it. And this, like, it could have been a comic, it could have been in the Star Wars universe already for yep. me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Outside of the lightsaber color changes, this is one that just could have been canon, basically. And they could be like, this place t- takes place either 10,000 years before Episode 9 or 10,000 years after Episode 9. But And I wanted to say that I am—I I actually was positive on the lightsaber change thing. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Yeah. And I like I, that addition to the lore. I wouldn't be disappointed to see that be like a real thing <laughs> in Star I just Wars. Think, like, well, because the problem, I think, like, I don't mind, and we'll talk about that more with the next one. I don't really mind it because it's a non-canon short, but, like, they've kind of established how lightsaber colors change. And so I feel like if they were to go against that now, it would be, it would just, like, they've already, like, altered canon a little bit, um, minor things here and there between, like, comics and TV shows, but they've, like, explicitly stated it in books now, where I feel like if they were to go against that, people would be like, what, well, what the shit, we don't even understand how anything works anymore, but... <laughs> I, I like I like the idea of it that it's in, t- in touch with the user rather than just like a, a crystal, you know, and that the crystal itself can in some way be connected connected to the soul of the user. Well, that's how that's how it is, but it's not like as instant because in the Ahsoka book, uh, ah- Ahsoka takes uh, two uh, red lightsabers from uh, Inquisitors, and like she has to disassemble the lightsaber and like heal the crystal and it turns white and stuff. And so it's possible and it's still attuned to the user. It's just not like an instantaneous process like how it was presented in the short. But moving on, we have uh, T0B1, which is a short I honestly thought I would hate going into it because it looked like nothing I would be interested in. And I'll be honest... Did rank it 9 out of 9, but I did enjoy it. I, th- I thought it was cool. It was basically a kind of Pinocchio story of this droid who wants to be a Jedi. And there were some really interesting visuals in there, especially in like these kind of dream sequences. Uh, the animation style quickly grew on me. Uh, we had a showdown between him and an Inquisitor, which I thought was cool. And it's like I said last time, if this was canon, I would absolutely 100% hate this short. But because <laughs> it's like a non-canon thing that's just like inspired by Star Wars, um, I was able to buy into it more with like this uh, droid who wants to be a Jedi. I think if this was like supposed to be canon and like happened in universe, I'd be like, this is stupid. I hate it. But I can disassociate it on that level. And uh, especially when I watched uh, the feature at, because they said in the in the feature at, which I don't think they fully explained clearly in the short itself, is when his master calls him Toby for the first time. Um, that I guess unlocks all of his training that he supposedly had. That um, his master, who we learned it was a Jedi. Uh, like gave him or like uploaded into him but like put it in like some secret program so him saying the name toby for Mm. the first time is what unlocks all of the training and allows him to like have the ability and skills to defeat the inquisitor which i don't think is fully explained in the short (laughs) itself yeah i'm gonna say i did not pick that up but i did like this one a lot i thought the art style was really really like great (laughs) honestly i thought it was one of the more interesting art styles and I liked Astro Boy a lot when I was young. Yeah, uh, very heavy this, Astro Boy vibes. It was a very heavy Astro Boy vibes, so it was giving me the nostalgia. It also had like kind of Cuphead uh, vibes to the character look, the design of the character a bit, and I like that. This was, yeah, definitely one that I, I have it right in the middle for me. I have it at five on my list, but that's not to say I didn't like it. I thought it was really visually creative and interesting to look at throughout the entirety of it, and I, I had... Um, I really liked the way that it was kind of like this island of misfit toys rising up at the end, like these little, the experiments kind of coming together and 
and especially like that he was able to complete the research of his father and bring it all together. I thought it was a great episode and uh, yeah, one that for me had the most interesting visuals maybe of the whole series and also provided a genuinely stunning lightsaber battle. A lot of these where it's like the simple animation can, the lightsaber battles can be kind of disappointing potentially. And I think that his battle with the Inquisitor was really cool. I love the Inquisitors as, as characters. Yeah. So it was a really cool battle and I liked how it was able to balance like the kitty Astrobot kind of opening and then also have a cool battle at the end. <laughs> yeah. I gave it a best of both. Yeah, we definitely got that. And I, and I just like the story overall in general. And I honestly was going into this episode, thought I was going to hate it. And there's another episode on the list that we haven't gotten to yet that based on the pictures alone, I thought I was going to hate it and I ended up really enjoying it. But going back to the cast, I just wanted to say that the character of Mataka, who is the like Jedi uh, turned scientist, is voiced by Kyle Chandler, who people might know from the Friday Night Lights TV show. He's also in Argo. He's also in the uh, recent Godzilla movies. So. Yeah, I don't know this studio very well, Science Saru, but they did another episode on the on the season that we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, so we got two things from this studio. All right. Uh, all right, you're next ready to move on to The Elder? I'm ready. Another another repeat studio. Yep. Uh, next up, we got The Elder, and it's basically uh, these two Jedi, a master and an apprentice, uh are you know out in the world and they the master feels a dark presence and they run across this dark presence who is the elder who's essentially just this old sith lord going around just looking for things to kill looking for jedi to kill honestly it almost felt like as a sport for something to do he's like this weird kind of crazy old man and it's uh kind of the master trying to impart like lessons onto his student and I just thought it was a really kind of cool interesting story especially when you see the behind the scenes uh, featurette and you learn that the director of this is like this big acclaimed anime director who got his start because he loved Star Wars and like that was the first thing he started drawing was like his vision and like his inspiration for Star Wars and he made this and this was kind of his swan song the thing he wanted to retire on so he said he, he'll only come basically what it sounded like is in the featurette he's only coming back if they do a season two and they ask him to do a second one is the thing that basically he made it sound like he's coming back and he said he thought it was kind of interesting because he wanted younger people to be able to watch this and connect with the apprentice and he wanted older people to watch this and connect with the master. So he wanted this to connect with people from both age groups, which it reminded me of another creator in the Star Wars universe because that basically sounds like something George Lucas would say. So I like that aspect of it. But uh, what, what were your thoughts? This one I thought was okay. Uh, I have it at the bottom of my ranking, but it's not bad, but for me it was a bit boring. And I liked what it was going for with the themes. So I'll start with the positives on that and say I thought the themes are really interesting and the way that the elder talked about how old age kind of took him out and I like the examination of like no matter how much power you seek like you're you're gonna get taken out eventually by by the force in the universe and that's how the universe kind of works is like you can seek power sure but they're ultimately gonna get you in the end anyway and I think that's a lesson of it within Star Wars something that I think is core to like a lot of the Sith arcs in Star Wars is like. You can seek the power, and I think ultimately a lot of that is trying to escape death and escape like the the ultimate uh, 
the ultimate question of like, oh, what happens after we die? And I think a lot of the power seeking of the Sith is to avoid having to die. You know, you, you get that from Palpatine. Yep. Yep. And so I think that was really a cool element of this. And for me, uh, I just didn't necessarily, especially coming from Studio Trigger, who gave us the uh, uh, the twins, which is such a really visually crazy and compelling stuff. And they've given us a lot of that in their past. And I think the, found, uh, the director, I think, was the founder or the president of Studio Trigger. So he's very prominent in that. And I think he made this in a way also to kind of change the image of Studio Trigger a little bit to show that they can do something that's not like the huge, colorful, like really explosive action kind of thing. So in that way, I appreciate this as a, especially like for his career as a, something that is very different from anything he's done before or anything different, different from something that Studio Trigger has done before. So I'd really like to see them do something in this style again. Even though this experiment didn't necessarily work perfectly for me, I liked seeing them do it. Yep. And uh, one thing I was going to add is talk, talk, drop the cast really quick. I think this is maybe one of the more high-profile casts, even though there's only three uh, characters. You have Jordan Fisher, who people will probably know if they've seen High School Musical, the musical, the series. He plays, uh, I can't remember her brother, the, the basically the new girl in the show. Her brother, that's like the music producer. Um, him. You have David Harbour as uh, Tajin the Master. And then you have James Hong, who's like an iconic, legendary actor. 92 years old, voicing the Elder. So. I ended up rewatching this one in English because I heard that the voice cast was so interesting. And I really like David Harbour's performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like this episode a lot. I liked all the performances. But yeah, I think David Harbour... Like for me, I was listening to that and I was like, "Oh, I would love to see David Harbour do like an animated Han Solo show." <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so next up, I believe we have Lop and Ocho, which is the one I thought, based on the pictures alone, I was going to hate going into it, and I actually really ended up liking it a lot. Uh, I rated this one four out of nine. And basically, the plot of this episode is this uh, rabbit-looking girl is adopted into this family uh, with this father and daughter and, you know, raised alongside her sister. And then her sister essentially ends up joining the Empire and she finds out that her adopted father uh, owns or has a lightsaber that has been gifted through many generations uh, from someone who got it was basically a Jedi had gifted like her father's like great 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 grandfather uh, a lightsaber and it's been passed through generations so this is kind of a universe where Luke Skywalker I guess never really blew up the Death Star and the Empire was allow allowed to exist for many generations and uh, you kind of have this uh, sister you know, battle, kind of philosophical battle. You have, like, the prodigal son and the faithful son kind of a situation where the biological daughter the whole time was like, yeah, we're sisters, we're sisters. And then as soon as they confront, she's like, you're not even my real sister. Like, you're not his real daughter. Like, I'm the true heir to that lightsaber. And uh, this is one of the ones the most that, like, when it ended, I'm like, wait, the fuck? Like, I need the rest of this story, man. And that's part of why it's rated so low, but also like why it's my number one. If they're like you, we need a sequel to any of them, and I get to pick. Lapinocho is my number one draft pick for which one gets a sequel. Because I'm, I, I'm like, I'm interested, I'm invested, but I feel like I only really saw the first half of the story. 
Yeah, I'd like to get more from this one. For me, I have it at number six, which is just under uh, the Toby One episode. Uh, but yeah, I I still liked it a lot, and I think in particular I like the animation in this one. I think it looked oh, the look it, of the it had this kind of really classical cool. look to it, and they added they added a lot of like effects to make it look hand drawn and kind of old school with the with the backgrounds being hand drawn and this kind of artificial shadowing going on underneath the animation. But I liked it a lot, and it felt very anime too. I've seen this kind of an anime before, you know, where they have like the animal esque main character. I, 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 that's a big thing in anime. So it was cool to get that kind of genre within this as they explored throughout the genres of anime. But yeah, this was a good one for me. I think I would like to see a lot more from it. Give me, give me, you know, a, a sequel episode or there were a few where I was saying like, if, if they released, you know, a book or a comic, I'd be probably picking it up and reading it based on some yeah. of these characters. Well, uh, the Ronin, uh, oh, I forgot to say, that's what I was going to say. For the duel, we are getting a book about the lead character of the Ronin, and it was released that the first two chapters of the book are essentially going to be a novelization of the short, and then everything after that is going to be completely uh, new and original from from the uh, from the short. So uh, if, you're looking, if you saw... Uh, the duel and you're like i want more of this story well you're in luck because they're releasing a book that's more of the story yeah, i would like to see more from this one i had no idea i don't know the studio at all uh, i looked them up and i hadn't seen anything they worked on or really heard anything about anything they worked on so i can't say much about them but i at least like to see them do more work in star wars yep definitely all right uh do you want to talk about the last one, uh, Akakiri. Let's do it. We got our repeat uh, studio too. Yeah, Akakiri is uh, one where basically uh, it reminded me very much of the Obi-Wan and Satine story of the Jedi and this princess fall in love. And you could also even say, I guess, Anakin and uh, Padme, where uh, this Jedi is reuniting with this princess that he's fallen in love with before. And... Uh, he's been seeing visions of her dying and he's like trying to figure out how to prevent them. And, uh, it's kind of a whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing where he goes and attacks the people that he thinks are going to be responsible. And it's like these masked creatures turns out they kidnapped her, slapped a mask on her. And he's the one that ended up killing her. Spoiler alert. Um, and that has some ramifications. Uh, but this one also, if you watch the behind the scenes featurette, uh, is one that definitely reverts back to the Hidden Fortress. So have you seen the Hidden Fortress or no? I have seen the Hidden okay, Fortress. Yeah. yeah, so basically like two basically there's two characters in that that are heavily uh inspired R two D two and C three PO and they essentially just brought those two characters into uh this short, one of them voiced by Star Trek's uh George Takei. And then we also have uh, Jamie Chung, who people might know back in the day from the real world. I believe she's also in the Hangover movies. And then we have Henry Golding, uh, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. He was just in Snake Eyes. He was in The Gentleman. He's kind of the lead of this movie, or of this short. And uh, so it's good voice cast, really good story. And I believe I, I rated this one the fifth out of nine, but I really did enjoy it. Tristan, what, are you, what did you think? 
Yeah, I thought this was an interesting one. I mentioned earlier that I think the Force is my favorite part of Star Wars, and this really got into the Force and into the kind of vision quest side of the Force. <laughs> That's something that the Clone Wars occasionally got into, and they were always my favorite parts of the Clone Wars, is like the Mortis arc and those kinds of things where they got really into what the Force can show visually on screen, and this uh, did that for me. You mentioned the connection connection to the character of the Hidden Fortress, which I thought was cool especially because of the Star Wars connection, but just because I like Hidden Fortress and it was cool to see that, that connective tissue. So for me, I have this at uh, number seven. It's okay. slightly low on the list for me, but mostly because I thought it was a bit too short, almost like yeah. it was too in and out and I didn't quite connect with the characters. I liked the visuals and I liked the idea of exploring the forest in that way, but I wasn't. I didn't quite feel like I why I should care about what I was seeing in the, on the screen necessarily. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was good. I still, like, I, I don't think any of these are, are bad shorts. No. But, yeah, for me, it's, it's at number six. I like the animation and the kind of exploring of the forest, but the actual story itself and the characters lacked for me in a way that some of the other ones didn't. Yeah, I can understand that. All right, uh, so... Uh, we kind of talked about this up top, but what format are you are, – because uh, basically what it seems like if this is popular and this goes over well, this is something that will be interesting and keep doing and doing more non-canon content. How do you, how would you want to see that moving forward? I would love to see more uh, from this style. I think the Visions is a great concept of handing it off to these studios that have – an entirely different vision of, of what Star Wars is. I think if you hand it, if you were like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to give it to like, similar to the short circuit thing that they're doing where they're like, oh, we're going to give it to like Disney animators or Pixar animators and they're going to make Star Wars shorts. I don't think it would be as creative as this. So I think something that's key if they want to get beyond the canon and out into the realms of craziness is that they give it to outside voices and people who never have worked in Star Wars before. And I think it, as much as I would love to see these studios come back for season two of Visions, maybe maybe one or two should, but I would like to see season two be a bunch of new studios who still haven't worked in Star Wars and say, here's the keys, do what you want to do, you know? Yep. Yeah, one of the things, like the format I'm hoping, I hope this is kind of like a once-a-year thing. I, I think with them combining two of the shorts that this was originally intended to be ten. So if they did like ten shorts every year, seven of them are original, three of them sequels, I'd be down with that. Yeah, and, and even switch beyond... out the studios. It doesn't have to be ten new stu- or you know ten new studios every year, but if they just kind of had a cycle of maybe fifteen-ish studios and you know, kind of mix and match and you know whatever and you know just new one every year, that I'd be I'd look forward to it every year when they dropped it. Yeah, it would be fun every year to see how they drop it. I think something that might have benefited this series a little bit in terms of format would be to have released it in chunks because I think by the end of a binge, this could feel a little bit repetitive to some people. Like you're getting a lot of the same lines, a lot of the same beats and some of the same characters. And if you're not super into the visual differences, this might be something that you get by the end. You're like, okay, I've seen this arc every episode. Practically I've seen them do the, I've got a bad feeling about this line every way they can do it. And, I think it might have benefited them to do like, oh, here's three this week, and then we'll do three next week, and then maybe three the next week, you know, if they were yeah. to release them like that, or however it would even out. Yeah, yeah. I get that. 
but overall, I'm super happy with this. I think this has been great. You know, I, I didn't necessarily know what to expect and how comparatively to what if where it was like, oh, we're going to be zany and out there with Marvel. And then it's it's kind of just like a lot of the same stories told differently and not quite ambitious and sometimes. And like what if it's been very up and down? And I think this was mostly up, you know, yeah. <laughs> even the low episodes were still pretty good. So I was really impressed by this and I can't wait to see more whether it's Vision Season 2 or something more of just this concept of completely abandoning canon in Star Wars and letting the people just do whatever. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, you ready to move on to our next topic of Disney Plus Day? I'm ready. We covered that. It was a nice, long conversation, Joe. Yeah, I was going to clip it out, but that was basically our entire show, so I don't really know if there's much need to clip out our Vision segment. Just watch our entire episode for the most part. So yeah, Disney Plus Day is going to be November 12th. It's this big uh, celebration, essentially, of Disney. Uh, They're dropping a lot of stuff. Uh, Here's just kind of a rundown of what's going to be releasing November 12th on Disney Plus. We're going to get the streaming premiere of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Jungle Cruise will also be dropping. We're getting the Disney Plus original movie, Home Sweet Home Alone, which is a reimagining of the uh, franchise Home Alone. We're also getting an original series of shorts uh, from Walt Disney Animation called Olaf Presents, which is essentially uh, Olaf from Frozen uh, retelling several classic Disney tales, and uh, which should be annoying as shit because I <laughs> hate that character. And... Uh, uh, Josh Gad has me blocked on Twitter, so he will not be getting love from me. And then the uh, U.S. Disney Plus uh, will be streaming some fan favorite shorts uh, from Walt Disney Animation, including Frozen Fever. We'll get Oscar winning shorts like Feast and Paper Man, and then Oscar nominated Mickey Mouse short Get a Horse. Uh, we'll also be getting the animated short film Chao Alberto from Pixar, featuring characters from the movie Luca. And then we'll be getting a new short from The Simpsons that pays tribute to Disney Plus's marquee brands. Uh, We'll be getting five episodes of season two of The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is, I think, a very hit-or-miss show for me. We didn't obviously talk about that, or we didn't have this show when Disney Plus debuted, so I don't really ever know if you saw that or what your thoughts were on that. The thing I'm most excited, though, is definitely the uh, special celebrating the origins and legacy of Star Wars' legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett, and then we'll also be getting a special celebrating the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus with an exciting look towards the future. So, just a lot of content dropping that day. It's going to be a big day. I think uh, if I was a betting man, I would say November 12th is also the day we're getting a trailer for the Book of Boba Fett, maybe at the very end of that documentary. But um, Yeah, I think we get more than that. I expect a good amount of Marvel stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we have an idea of what their shows are going to be for next year, but we don't really have like a, a, a release schedule or any idea of what's coming out when. Yeah, I so could I say, definitely uh, think by the end we get we get a at least a general layout of what the release schedule is going to be like for 2022. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because they're calling it the inaugural. So I think this is going to be a yearly thing. We're right around this t- that time uh, every year. We'll be getting something that's kind of like, hey, this is what you have to look forward to for next year. Yeah, I like it. I think it's fun to kind of bring the fans together. I mean, people don't need more of an excuse to talk about Disney Plus. I feel like we talk about it all the time online, but it I love these kind of things like DC fandom, like just getting getting the fans together to talk about something that we all love and have a good time for a day and you know, it's, it reminds me of Comic-Con. It reminds me of all those things where you just get to enjoy yourself and and 
look forward to the future and be excited about it. It's going to be fun to sit here. I, I would love to that day do a live stream of us watching the Marvel and Star Wars things just to get our reactions to any reveals or any announcements as we're doing it. And Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a Friday, so if you don't work that day and we're able to get on at like 5... I mean, it really depends on what time. Is this thing going from like 8 to noon or is this thing going to be like... Because I feel like the smart money... I mean, granted, do they want to do it early and have people talk about it all day, or do they want people to be able to, like... I'm, cu- I'm just curious what the format is going to be. Are they just... Like, obviously, the movies and shows, it's going to be, like, 3 a.m. Western time, 12 a.m. Or 3 a.m. Eastern time, 12 a.m. is probably just... Shang-Chi's going to be up. But as far as, like, some of the trailers and the debuts, is there going to be, like, uh, like, a format? You know what I'm saying? Like, hosts and, like... Um, a pack, you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, I'm really like... curious about that too because I was wondering if it's going to be like that. Are they going to like DC Fandom or like Comic Con where they have the hosts, they come out and give a panel and announce things, or is it just going to be like, yeah, all this stuff? Oh, all has... these specials drop at midnight and that's yeah. all you get. Yeah, like I think a lot of like the shorts and the, the movies and all that, I think those are just going to be direct drops, but I'm just. I'm curious, like, because I feel like there's going to be trailers and a lot of stuff that day. Like, they're definitely drawing attention to something that so far they're advertising is just like, yeah, movies that you've already seen are going to drop, uh, shorts you've already seen are going to drop, and, uh, oh, like, five episodes of a show no one talked about are going to drop. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they're building hype for something that doesn't really necessarily warrant the hype. So I feel like there has to be more, and I would assume trailers and announcements and all of that is going to be part of the hype yeah if i was disney i i drop the movies and shows at midnight like i normally do but i definitely don't put the specials on at midnight. you don't want to announce marvel shows at three in the morning you know like you want people to be engaged and talking about them immediately yeah, I'd love it if they were like, yeah, we're having a live, basically, pa- Disney Plus panel that if you have Disney Plus, it's just going to be on top of the banner. You click on it, and you get to watch you know, live, or you could rewind to the beginning if you didn't get there, and it's going to be starting at you know, 6 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Western time, or whatever. Or yeah, it would 6, even 6 be o'clock done. Eastern, 3 o'clock uh, West Coast time, or something. Yeah, all I really expect from them is like, okay, 7 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be dropping the MCU special, so watch it at Disney+. Plus. And I at least expect it to drop at like a semi-normal time. There's there's no real reason to drop something like that at the middle of the night if you're going to be announcing stuff. If it's just a behind-the-scenes look, if it's just like really lightweight, shallow kind of stuff that's like, oh, look forward to it when it comes out, it's like maybe they drop it at midnight. But yeah, if there's any level of an announcement, any level of a new trailer, that kind of a thing, I think it drops it at a time when the actual press is going to be watching it and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, normally, like, a book of Boba Fett, I would expect to be, like, during a football game or something, but not on a Friday night. There's nothing on a Friday night, so uh, it'll be curious to see how that all plays out. Because at this point, I'll be shocked if the book of Boba Fett, unless there's some kind of leak and, like, some garbage, like, phone recording of the book of Boba Fett trailer, and they're like, well, we just got to release the real version now, so people's first impression isn't a phone leak. But outside of that, I'll be shocked if the uh, book of Boba Fett trailer doesn't drop November 12th. Yeah, I think we see that. I think we probably see a first look at Moon Knight. We probably yeah. see a first... I think we get a good idea of, like, their plot layout for Secret Wars, like, because that's coming pretty soon, yeah. too. Yeah. So like we gotta we gotta see how that's gonna tie things together and yeah. I imagine maybe a season two announcement for something. 
Because you've gotten a cup. Uh, maybe Falcon the Winter Soldier, we get a season two date, or Loki, we get a season two date. I would say Loki. Well, Loki, we have. With Loki season two confirmed, I could easily see a season two date. I'm curious if we. I doubt we'll get a Falcon and Winter Soldier season two because we're getting Captain America four, you know? Yeah, I forgot about that. So I, I feel like that's essentially going to be the Falcon and Winter Soldier season two. But I could see a, I could see a Loki date, or yeah. at least a window, saying like fall 2023 yeah. or whatever it is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not going to announce anything potentially with WandaVision before uh, Multiverse of Madness comes out. So, yeah, I'm going to say, Joe, give me a wild, give me some kind of wild prediction here. Like, if you're Disney, do you want to pull out a wild card, something, some kind of show announcement, some kind of casting announcement for a Disney Plus show that's Marvel or Star Wars related? What do you drop during the one of these specials? Can you give me a minute to look up to see what the, when the announced shows are? Uh, get, I'll give you a minute, Joe. You can look that up, right. and I'll say if I was announcing this, I definitely focus my. It's hard Marvel... not to think movies, you know, especially with Marvel. Are, are we saying Marvel and Star Wars, or? Look, we, we're talking about Marvel, so I was thinking about Marvel, but yeah, we could do Marvel or Star Wars because if I was if I was Marvel, I focus this very much on the Secret Wars thing and the building up that storyline. I think that Hawkeye is going to be the show that kind of gets that plot moving a bit more. Because you've had these background movements of the power broker, so I think you focus it on Hawkeye. You bring in some actors. Let's think here. We got to cast some scrolls. So okay, we have four shows in 2022. We have Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Secret Invasion. So okay, so Hawkeye supposedly has six episodes. So I don't think. I think maybe Secret Invasion casting, but like Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk aren't big enough properties that like side characters in those shows, like casting is not going to get hype. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Batman where you're having a Batman show and you're bringing out, and we got like so-and-so as Alfred or so-and-so as the Joker and like everyone goes crazy. You'd be like, so we have so-and-so as random Moon Knight villain and people are going to be like, okay, that's cool, I guess. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like anything wild and crazy casting-wise would be in the movies, and I just don't see them for Disney+. Plus. I feel them focusing more on Star Wars, so I feel like any anything crazy would have to be Star Wars. So I would say, hmm, if we were getting a casting announcement. I will say that Moon Knight, uh, Moon Knight is getting hyped up, and uh, the villain is going to played by Ethan Hawke, so I can see like a costume reveal or something like that, if but not like in the again, teaser. I feel like, again, you want like general audience to go crazy. I think if you're doing casting, that's going to be in the realm of Star Wars. You know? Yeah, because you're not going to cast Mr. Fantastic. You're not going to cast the Yeah, because that's going to be movies. Unless, the only way I see that is if you're like at the... Uh, the X-Men are appearing in Miss Marvel and your new Professor X is Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons walks out on stage as Professor or rolls out in the wheelchair as Professor X or stupid. <laughs> I could even see them casting like a lower tier X-Men like bringing a mutant that they didn't have the rights to until now and that could be exciting in the in that way as well. Yeah. But I do think they're going to Disney Plus has a chance to bring a lot of big names that could draw people in. So I think Marvel, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars, I think it could be a and exciting to see who they're going to bring on to the bring into the Marvel family, as they say. Yeah. 
I'm just looking up uh, Star Wars right now. So we have Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka. Oh, I know, I know what would get fans interested uh, for the Disney Plus uh, for casting. You bring out Mina Masoud, uh, Lars uh, Mickelson, and whoever your cast for Sabine is, along with Rosario Dawson out. That would be an intense one. I, I, that's my wild prediction is Lars Mikkelsen, Mina Massoud, and whoever they settle on for um, Sabine, along with Rosario Dawson, announced as part of the cast for Ahsoka. I like that a lot because I do think the discourse of, of fandom has been so focused on specifically the multiverse and Marvel and who's casting as what and who's going to be in what and who's not going to be in what that I feel like in a way we've we've forgotten about Star Wars and that like that that's still an active franchise with a lot of stuff going on and yeah, I think it would be fun to bring out the cast for Ahsoka to finally confirm who's gonna be in it and who's in terms of Rebels characters and yeah. give us a better look, especially at the future of Star Wars on Disney Plus because we have one show yeah. and we don't really have a good idea of the feature of we have shows announced, but yeah, I would like to get a good picture. It's going to be exciting because both of these properties, specifically on Disney Plus, have exciting 2021s with a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah, it's going to be jam packed. Um, and I, I would say also Mando season three, like confirmation, like an announcement. Mando season three coming December uh, 2022. Yeah, I definitely think we get that. And I wonder if and we I get a campaign casting. I, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's might be too far out. Granted, um, Ahsoka's like the furthest out almost, but because Cad Bane is is only two months away if he's a Boba Fett. Yeah, that's true. But I also feel like Ezra and Thrawn and Ahsoka or uh, Sabine are gonna be like big parts of the Ahsoka show, and like they're gonna be filming. And if like Lars Mikkelsen and Mina Masoud are like, you know, we're posting on Instagram, like, oh, on the set of Ahsoka, like, people are going to be able to figure it out, so you might as well, like, announce it and get ahead of it. Yeah, don't have it leak online like the other guys. Yeah. So that's my big, bold prediction, as well as harder release dates for uh, the Marvel and Star Wars shows for 2022 of, like, maybe, maybe not necessarily, like, you know, Unless something is releasing, like, on May 4th for Star Wars, I feel like it's going to be more like, okay, this is releasing in June, this is releasing in July, this is releasing in, you know, whatever. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. like, hard dates, but... Or at yeah, least, like, we... sp- the order of shows. Like, because we still fully don't know the order, because there's some reports that Kenobi's going to be the first live-action Star Wars show of 2022, and there's some reports that it's Andor, so even just, like, the order of them... Yeah, I'm really excited to get for the, get this. Uh, both of these specials will be fun. We talked a lot about them, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great to get a good picture of what the feature is for the Disney Plus and mm-hmm. both of these franchises. Um, we're both personally invested in, so and TV is going to be a big part of both of them going forward. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Disney Plus? No, it'll be a fun Disney Plus day. Uh, if I can get that off, I might even just do a really long stream of Disney Plus related content and cover it all. All right. Um, so I uh, I'll look forward to that uh, this week on Movie Changeup. Hopefully, we'll be doing a bracket. Fingers crossed. We got a text in the main grip to figure out what the hell we're doing. 
Uh, come back, join us next week as we discuss, I assume, episode four of uh, Doogie Kame Aloha. We'll be discussing whatever episode of What If Drops and anything else that pops up on Disney+. Plus. If you see something and you want us to cover it, uh, tweet us at Movie Change Up. Tweet us individually. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll try to find it. You know, if you want us to cover it, we'll cover it. So, uh, without further ado, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.